Hello and welcome to the How to Live podcast. We are here for the purpose of helping us learn what it truly means to live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome. My name is Raul Collado and I'm here with my wife. Hi there, my name is Jody Collado. So Raul, what is our topic for today's episode on how to live? Well, our topic for today's episode is to live by Christ. Before we begin, let us have a moment of prayer. Father in heaven, once again, we just thank you for giving us the opportunity to open your word. I pray that you send your Holy Spirit to help us understand what we are to read and to apply it to our hearts, Father. We thank you, Father, because you have promised it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. How to live by Christ. And the Bible text that this topic is centered on is John 6, 56 through 57. Jody, could you read that for us? Certainly. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. So these are the words of Jesus here as he's speaking. Again, we're in John chapter 6, 56 through 57. And also, we didn't mention this before, but we, we have listeners who may be in different places. But if you are somewhere where you can pull out your Bible and read the scriptures along with us, we encourage you to do so. I know sometimes people listen to podcasts while they're driving and doing other activities, so maybe you don't have access to a Bible, but if you do, we'd love to have you follow along with us as we go through scriptures today. So why is Jesus using this specific illustration about eating and drinking? So why is Jesus using this illustration of eating and drinking? Jesus finds himself also teaching in parables and illustration of, of from the daily life to teach a spiritual truth. So we're going to analyze today why is Jesus using this specific illustration where he says to eat my flesh and drink my blood is the same as those who are dwelling in Christ and he dwells in the believer. You know, a good question to ask, why is Jesus using the illustration of eating and drinking here? And... We definitely, you know, we understand these passages in the spiritual sense. And like you said, Raul, Jesus often used illustrations to teach a spiritual truth. And he did that to help us understand. And so what we're going to do is we're going to examine the practices of eating and drinking to the physical body, how it pertains to the physical body. And then by examining that, we're going to understand um, the implication of the spiritual truth here. So let's look at eating and drinking. Every human being is required to eat and drink to sustain life, correct? Yes, we eat for our strengthening. Yeah, exactly. If we don't eat, we eventually starve and die. If we don't drink, we eventually die of dehydration. So eating and drinking is required for every human being on this planet to survive. And so that's a very important point to note, you know, for our vitality that this is this is necessary also you don't just eat or drink one time and then that's it right so eating and drinking is a process we do every single day 
And if you don't eat every single day or eat enough every day, the body experiences effects to that. So if you are fasting, for example, you know, after one meal, two meal, three meals of fasting, your body starts to experience side effects. You get weak, tired, and there's a lot of things that physiologically go on in your body in that process that we don't need to, to cover entirety of it. You have, there's, there's also the saying, you know, you are what you eat. And so what we eat has just a direct impact on our physical well-being. And so like I was saying too, you know, you don't just eat once and then call it good. No, it's, it's a daily part of life to have to eat and drink. And also the nearness of, the nearness of Christ, I think, is what is being represented here. Because you think about eating and drinking, you take that and it is assimilated in your body, like it becomes a part of your body. So when we eat, that food is digested and it is what, and then our blood carries the nutrients from that digested food into our organs and our cells and it becomes a part of us and it's assimilated and it strengthens us. And so when we receive Christ in us, Christ in you, the hope of glory, when we receive Christ in us, his spirit, his life is in our body and it brings joy and peace and happiness and strength to our soul, just like the food strengthens the body physically. So those are just some important things, I think, to look at here to understand why this, is still, this illustration is so, so profound spiritually. And also, Jesus says here in this chapter he says, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. That's in verse 63. So when we receive his words into us, they are life for our soul. And that's what we live on. And I want to share a little bit of an experience that I had to kind of bring home the illustration that Jesus is speaking about, you know, eating and drinking. And I remember one time it was a, it was it was a Saturday night, and I remember that day that I, I had a very, I had had no supper that specific night, and I remember that I had a very light lunch, and perhaps even probably the same, you know, the same amount of breath, breakfast. So I hadn't really consumed enough food for physical labor, and that very same night I had to change a tire because the car um, the car that I had had a flat tire and I wanted to change it that very moment and I realized as I was beginning to change the tire the 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 nods of the tire was very 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 hard so you have to really put a lot of strength and pressure to it in order for you to get it off and I realized immediately as I was going through that experience how I started really feeling a little shaky and because I was beginning to realize I was seeing the effects of, you know, hunger and not having the strength that I needed, not having the nourishment that I needed because I had not any supper and I've eaten very little that day. So in the same way, it happens when we don't abide in Christ and he abides in, in us. You know, as we're studying how to live by Christ, 
we become so easily weak when we are facing uh, daily daily tasks or daily duties that we that we face from day in and day out. We become weak when we're not really strongly nourished by Christ, by continuing to feed upon Him. So to feed upon Him is really learning to feed from His Word so we can have spiritual nourishment. And it leads us to be fully dependent on Him moment by moment that as the days progress, there will come a time where you will be you'll be tempted you'll be tempted to feel to feel agitated to feel anxious to become worried to become to become spiritually you know dwarfed so and we're trying to analyze this this scripture in a very practical way because if we're going to live by Christ that means that Christ can able to impart to us spiritual nourishment for our spiritual growth. And 1 Peter 2, verse 21 through 25, speaks about how Jesus and his experience. Yeah, so if we are to live by Christ and we are to have Christ's life, um, I think it's only logical to ask the question, well, what kind of life did he have then? So if we... If we are to live by Jesus, what kind of life did Jesus live? And these um, scriptures that we're going to read here in 1 Peter 2 are going to show us that and, and answer that question for us. So, and this is what it says. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that ye should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. Who is his own self, bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls." It is interesting here that it tells us that we are called and that Christ suffered also for us. And he left us an example of that we should follow his steps. And he didn't commit no sin. There was no guile, no deception in his mouth. And when he was treated, especially upon the cross, you know, he was reviled and he reviled not again. And he suffered and he threatened not. So he was beaten. But we look at how Jesus was living and how he how he handled that those temptations, those that the cross crisis. It says that he, instead of reviling, you know, retaliating, but he had committed himself to his Father, who judges righteously. And I think it's a very important point to be brought out here because. We live in a time where we're easily offended. But Jesus here, he committed himself to his father who judges righteously. So when we're wrong, when we're being offended, 
how to live by Christ is to really commit ourselves to Christ because he sees it all. He sees everything that's happening. And when we commit ourselves, how to commit ourselves is really take your what people are doing to take it in prayer, to take it to him because he is acquainted with the feelings of our infirmities, our weaknesses. And even he, he understands that because in Hebrews 4, it speaks about that he is in touch with the feeling of our infirmities. And he was tested in all points like as we are, yet without sin. And that was Hebrews 4, 15. So in a practical way, we can commit ourselves by coming to Jesus in prayer. Amen. And yeah, and, and Jesus says himself here in verse 57, John 6, 57, as the living father has sent me and I live by the father. So he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. And the life of Christ is just so amazing because it's just a perfect exam example of perfect surrender and trust in God. And just as Jesus trusted in his heavenly father and his life was surrendered to him, moment by moment, day by day. That is how we are to live, trusting in Christ, living by him moment by moment, day by day. And I had a question, Raul, that I wanted to ask um, to uh, kind of discuss it for us to discuss about. So we asked, what kind of life did Jesus live? And we see here that Jesus lived um, a sinless life. It says, 1 Peter 2, 22, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. And so as Christians, we know that we have a perfect savior, that Jesus lived a perfect sinless life and was completely in harmony with God's will every moment um, of his life. So my question is, why is it then do we see in Christianity many people who profess to be Christians, but who don't live sinless lives, who live um, very sinful lives. Um, there are, you know, a, a numerous amount of sins here, and um, I know that was my experience. Um, I was a professed Christian, but um, I was still, my, my, char my character was still sinful, and so why where where is the problem if we've if we've received when we receive christ if we receive his life if he has a sinless life why then is there still sin in in christians so let's let's maybe talk could we talk about that for a few moments going back to the question you asked that why do we come short in sin and, and not live a life that is pleasing in god's side it is because we perhaps don't understand that he cares for us. In 1 Peter 5, verse 6 and 7 says this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. We probably don't think much that he cares for us, that he's concerned, even the things that, that we face from day to day basis, even the little irritations, even when we're wrong and when easily offended, like he actually cares for us. He cares for us to the point that, that he feels what we feel. 
And I believe it's in Isaiah 63, verse 9, that says that when we are afflicted, God is afflicted. And because Jesus is is tempted, was tempted in all points like we were, that means he is acquainted with how weak we are. And he says in his word that my strength is made perfect in weakness. So when we are weak, we can be strong. And I think it comes down to we don't often come to him because we don't understand that he actually cares and is in touch with our weaknesses that he wants to give us give us his his strength and and I think it has to do also as well that we don't we're not humbling ourselves as the text say as we should and it deals with perhaps we're proud and not wanting to admit and come down from our high level and Jesus if you look at Jesus he was in the form of God and he thought it not robbery to be equal with God but he humbled himself and he humbled himself to the point even to death to the death of a cross yeah thank you for sharing that and you know there's that question I asked there's a lot of a lot of answers to it and a lot of different things you can share and for for time's sake we won't explore all those answers but um, another scripture that I was thinking of you know so going back to the question you know if if Christ lived a sinless life and he wants to give us his life why do we see so much sin amongst Christians and there's a verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13 it says there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. And so, Rollo, you were talking about, you know, the fact that God cares and casting all of our cares upon him um, is what we're ad- admonished to do. And here it says that he's made a way of escape and that way of escape is Christ. He is our way of escape. And so, you know, the reason why we sin is because there's a disconnect there. There's some disconnect with Christ. We're not fully surrendered to him in some way. Um, because the Bible also says in James that God, if any man is tempted, let not him say that he is tempted of God for God cannot be tempted with evil. You know, God only wants to help us. He only wants to help us and give us victory over sin. And so anytime we we fall into sin, it is never God's fault. It's never God's doing. It's it's us. There's somehow there's a disconnect there. And going back to the illustration with eating and drinking, you know, we're not receiving Christ. And Christ has revealed himself to us through his word. So if we're finding ourselves wrestling with the same sins in our lives, we, it's very likely that we're not meditating on his word, understanding his word correctly, that we're not communing with him in prayer as we should. Like I said before, there's some disconnect with Christ when we find ourselves in sin because it's never, it, it is never God's will for anyone to sin, you know, and he wants he wants to give us victory and help us lead us into that victory. And I want to touch on something in regards to how we commit ourselves to him, you know, and how we 
feasts upon his word. We're told in 2 Timothy 3, 15 through 17, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. In this scripture, it lets us know that the, the word of God is able to make us wise to salvation when we have faith in Christ. And it tells us that every time you open the word, whatever scripture we come to, when we're spending time in reading of his word, that it is profitable to reprove us, to correct us, and to also to give us instruction in righteousness, in right doing. And it, it gives us here in verse 17 the purpose or the end goal is that so the man of God, so that we ourselves, Christians, can be made perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works, meaning that there is a high calling that we have, that we can have good works, good action, good deeds when we are living by Christ, feeding upon his word and committing ourselves to him moment by moment, day by day. We are to commit ourselves as we spend time with him in his word and as we spend time communing with him in prayer. He will show us what we need to do. When Jesus was committing himself to his father who judges righteously, we ourselves can commit ourselves to Christ because he is our savior. He becomes so personal to, to us that we assimilate everything he's saying. We absorb every, every instruction and we know that he cares for us. Therefore, we can cast all of our worries, all of our thoughts, all of our irritations. We can carry that to Christ because he himself knows what it means to be tempted as we are tempted because he is in touch with the feelings of our infirmities or of our weaknesses and he committed no sin so he wants to get us to a life that lives above sin he's a savior from sin not in sin because in hebrews 2 18 it says that he is able to rescue us who are tempted amen so just to make sure, I want to make sure I'm understanding these verses correctly. So going back to our key text here in this episode, John 6, 56 and 57. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me and I in him. As the living Father hath sent me and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. So it's receiving him by faith as a personal savior. If you keep reading down in John 6, Jesus says, it is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. And we know that Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's how this, um, this podcast got its name was from that verse in Matthew 4.4. 4. So we receive Christ by faith. It, he says here, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So is how we receive Christ is through his word. Could you just maybe like explain a bit more about receiving Christ as our savior in the word? Because the spirit, the connection between the spirit and the word, I guess. Could you just maybe like expound upon that a bit? The word of God is powerful because 
in creation, it says that God spoke and it was so. See, these letters that we have in, in the Bible are written in you know, letters and in ink, but they're only, they only become powerful when you put them into practice. Because I'm, I'm thinking of Jesus' words when he's at the Sermon of the Mount, when he says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him to a wise man which built his house upon a rock. So those who do the words of Jesus are the ones who are like a man who builds his house upon a rock, meaning the word itself has life when you put it into practice. And as we daily commune with Jesus, spending time with him in prayer, he will come into us and we continue to abide in him. As we read in John 6, 57, it says that as the living father had sent me and I live by the father, so is he that eateth me, he shall live by me. So a person who's dwelling in Christ and Christ abides in him is because they're communing in the presence of Jesus and they're continually feasting upon his word and dependent upon what the word says and putting the word into action. Yes, and it's important too to remember that, you know, it was by Jesus's word that he healed disease, that he cast out demons, that he stilled the sea, that he raised the dead. Um, it was his word and, you know, it was the word of God that spoke this world into creation and his word is powerful and alive. At the end of this chapter in John 6, after Jesus has talked about eating his flesh, drinking his blood, um, if you read verses 56 down onward, we get to verse 66 and this is what it says. It says, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. And so this spiritual illustration that Christ is teaching here, it, it was a hard saying for these people, was it not? Yes, it was. Because it says from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. And Raul and I actually, in our family worship this morning, we were talking about this, about this scripture. And you have to remember the, the context of the people at that time. They wanted a powerful Messiah to come and deliver them from the power of the Romans. And they wanted a temporal kingdom set up. And Jesus came to establish this spiritual kingdom. And this spiritual kingdom, it is receiving the life of Christ. And the life of Christ was a self-denying, self-sacrificing, sinless character. And so we were talking about this morning in our family worship, how, his, how these disciples, because when it says many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him, Verse 67 says, unto the 12, he said, will you, will you also go away? And so this, we see here, there were more disciples before the 12 disciples, you know, and at this was, this was the point where they turned away from him. After he said these words, there was something about what Jesus said here that they didn't want. They wanted his power, his deliverance. They wanted the miracles, the healings. But Jesus was calling his followers to take part in his self-sacrificing life. In verse 26, Jesus 
says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Ye seek me, not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. So in John 6, those individuals who found the words of Jesus to be a hard saying, they only saw him because they were filled. They, they wanted the benefits of having miracles being performed, but they didn't want to live by Christ as he lived because we read that the way that we are to live by Christ is the same way that Christ lived by his father. They were, they were wanting the power of God, but they didn't want to live the steps of Jesus, having a life that is self-sacrificing to be a very, very hard saying to live by Christ. They, want to, they, they wanted the easy way out. So this concludes our study for today, how to live by Christ. Remember, how to live by Christ is to commit ourselves to him, to continue to feast upon the word of God, to live by every word that proceed out of the mouth of God.